missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, di tacco, tiro, to the Footy Fans Podcast, episode 14. Andrew Santo and Joe, as always, coming at you from Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Tecumseh, Ontario. Tecumseh, Ontario, Canada, if you want to get real specific. Um, Man, we had uh, we were lucky this week uh, with the way the schedule kind of shaped out. Yeah. Having a bunch of midweek games, having the weekend, obviously, with the full schedule as well. Um, I mean, like, I don't even know where to jump in at it because, like, you know. Yeah. Tons of footy to get into. Mm-hmm. Tons of big games, too. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you want to look at, you know, just European battles and, and trying to get the top four places, the United-Arsenal match midweek, I believe it was Wednesday, I think, game took place? Yeah. No, Thursday. That was a Thursday game. That was, uh... that was a Thursday, I think. Um, That was probably, I mean, the, the biggest one when it comes to, you know, moving and shaking in the table for the top four places. I think it was my bid for match of the season. Yeah, just because you know when you look at the two uh, the two squads there, just look at the goal differential, and you look at the goals against, and it's like okay, we're bound to have some goals coming in this game, mm-hmm. whether it's you know a two two, a three two like it was, or even like a four one or something. I just had you know this game checked off in the calendar for um, you know a fireworks match. Yeah, and we got that. Oh yeah, I mean three two score line Man U versus Arsenal. It kind of makes for one of those classics that uh you see on the highlight reel on Dazen. Um so years to come this is probably gonna go down as one of them. Uh just, you know, a really good game of footy to watch. And at the end it had Ronaldo written all over it. Um him scoring, Of course, eh? Yeah, him scoring his PK. Uh and it was funny because the commentators were saying during the game how, you know, is he gonna fit into uh Ragnarok's new style? Um, well, the new style for menu, uh, with him. Um, and they were saying how, like, he hasn't scored recently. And then, you know, Ronaldo being Ronaldo and kind of putting commentators in their place and turning it on for menu again. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird. The, uh, criticism of Ronaldo is like, oh, he hasn't scored in one or two games. And I think it's just that expectation he set for himself. Um, which, and I, I said this to you, one of the commentators were saying, it's like, oh, like, I think it was the game before this, Carrick uh, had him on the bench to start, and the commentator was saying, oh, like, his age, and they got to rest him, and he's like, give it all that information, though, I think you'd still want Ronaldo yeah. on the field, you know, because he's, you know, he can just come up like this, get two goals in a big game, so. Yeah, the name alone just kind of scares you, right? Yeah. And, like, when you see Ronaldo's not playing, it was a game against Chelsea you're talking about, mm-hmm. when they drew 1-1. Uh, not having Ronaldo on the pitch that game, it's like, okay, maybe we can exploit that side. Like, Ronaldo's not there, so there's not as big of a threat. I think they still played Sancho or something. Yeah. I mean, obviously, still a great player. 
not with the pedigree that Ronaldo has, but uh, an up-and-coming class player. With this game, it's like... I thought that Ragnick, first of all, was actually going to be at the helm for this match. Um, I guess he was like waiting on his visa to yeah. go through, so he couldn't even coach in England. It's kind of funny the way we look at it, too. It's To, to us, it's, it's footy. It's a sport, but it's a job. Yeah. Like it's you're employed, you have an employer, you have to fill out insurance claims and all this stuff and yeah. get your benefits all transferred over and everything. So he was waiting on a visa to actually go into work in England, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's actually, he was there in attendance. So he did make it into England to watch the game, but obviously he could not be behind, uh, be behind the bench. So it's the last game that Carrick uh, was in charge for United. And I think in this one, he came up more aggressive than the way that he did the Chelsea game. Yeah. Because I think back then, a week ago, he looked at the way that Chelsea was playing and the way that United had been playing, and they said, okay, we can't come out and be like full-on attack this game. We have to kind of sit back. We have to defend a lot and take our chances when we can. And clearly that goal that Sancho scored after Gino's mistake <laughs> was the opportunity that they needed. Yep. But in a game like this against Arsenal, a side who obviously is really good, and they've proven in the last um, month or so that you know they can actually hang around and be competitive in this league, they looked at this game probably and said, this is a team that we actually can't attack. They're not as polished as a Chelsea. They don't have as world-class players. And with Carrick starting Ronaldo in this match and Sancho and Rashford, he said, okay, boys, we're going to go out there. We're going to do it. It's my last game in charge. Like I want to get the win. I want to retire with like two wins on the, (laughs) on my, on my record here. Um, And that's what he came away with. It came away and did. And, Obviously, Ronaldo getting his 800 and 801st goal. Yep. And in mm-hmm. all play for club and country. Uh, it's a crazy feat. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know who else is on that list, to be honest. Like, Zlatan maybe on that list? Messi, I, I would assume. Know. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't actually looked at the list, but the the fact that you get up there on your 800th goal. 800, And man. then just get your 801st just to start, <laughs> start the next century, which... You know, obviously, I don't think there's any possibility that he's going to get to 900. No, nah, I doubt it. <laughs> um, unless they come up with some human advancement. Or <laughs> I think he's the only. He's the only one. Messi's got to yeah. be close, though. I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, because they were, you know, when he when Ronaldo was really in his prime with at the end of Man U, right before he went to Real Madrid, he was just on a scoring. Oh, he's like, putting up like 40 goals, like yeah. in all competitions, which this includes. Yeah, he's so, like, just FA Cup. Uh, you know, I don't even know if they had Carabao Cup back then, but all those other competitions, mm-hmm. Champions League, he was putting forty goals away like per season. Yeah, for like a three or four year run, it seemed like. Yeah, so he's just on like a really solid run. So, uh, wouldn't be surprised me. Wouldn't surprise me at all if he was the only person there. Yeah, he has eight hundred. Pele at seven sixty five. Messi has well, I don't know when this was, but seven fifty five according to Wikipedia. Hmm. Yeah, so. From Mario's fourth, and then I think it's just legendary people, Jared Mueller. Mm. But uh, you know, in this game, I do got to give credit to Fred. I mean, he his first half was probably the biggest nightmare a player <laughs> can have. Yeah, next to Jorginho's blunder, but um, the whole situation where he stepped on De Gea's uh, leg. <laughs> yeah, De Gea goes down, ball comes out to uh, Smithrow, and Smithrow just puts it away, and. Um, you know, typically when the goalie's down, play stops. Um, you know, maybe the ref could have blew the whistle while De Gea was down, but he didn't. Ball went in the net. Um, went to VAR, and they saw that Fred was the one who stepped in De Gea, so um, no fault in Arsenal there, and 
you know, the ball went in the net. Ref didn't blow the whistle till it was in the net. And the goal stood, and uh, everyone on Man U was understandably upset at the time, but I think it was the right decision yeah. in the end. I mean, it, it is true. The ref, sh- like, arguably probably should have blown the whistle um, when he saw De Gea was down, but the fact that he just, I don't know, saw him late and didn't blow the whistle, like, unfortunately, the goal has to stand because I don't think it's... It's more unfair if it didn't, Yeah, you know? So, unfortunate situation, but that... Uh, you know, that's just what yeah. goes on, yeah. But I'm happy he didn't blow the whistle, though, because we've seen too many times that the referee does blow the whistle for, like, a premature reason, and then it just stops the play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know we obviously, like, we've had our our thoughts and opinions about VAR and how, even for, like, the offside stuff, how like, they, they let it go on for too long, and then they put the whistle up, or they blow the whistle afterwards after the flag's already been raised. Yeah. And we kind of, like, make us think about that. But... Um, in this case, it's like the ref, uh, the goalkeeper on corner kicks, especially, always gets the easy way out. Yeah, massive get, protection. Yeah, you yeah. get nudged they a little ju- bit. Not even they jump. They jump into players <laughs> and go down. Yeah. and it's like, come on, you know. Yeah, and Martin Ak- Atkinson was the referee for this match, and he's obviously a seasoned vet- uh, veteran referee. He's done tons and tons of games, so I, I respect his um, his stance on. Because I think he backed it up and defended himself, saying like, "No, like I didn't think it was a foul or anything. I wanted the play to go on." And in his back pocket, he does have the VAR check. Yeah. So at that point, it's like, okay, I do appreciate them playing the game on still. And obviously, with the hair going down, it's like in that situation, you're the goalkeeper. You got to get up. Yeah. Like I guess if you can, if you get that injured and you go down and stay down for that long, potentially causing a goal to occur on your own net, and then you end up playing the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. I know. Then, like, you should have been getting up in that situation. I know, and I wonder. I'm. I'm not gonna like judge De Gea's motives, but maybe it's like goalkeepers. Any touch like that, they just go down because they assume it's the You're other team. You're literally the last line of defense. And with <laughs> you know, and with that, the shot wasn't that aggressive. Even if it was like a sting on his ankle, mm-hmm. and it was a little harsh, he probably could have got there. So, like, you got to play out the sequence. Some of the ball got yeah. kicked away, and then he like dropped like you got to still yeah be aware of like, like the mm-hmm. ball was still in the 18 like he he yeah. got stepped on by his own teammate and then by that point the ball was still hovering around the box like it's not like yeah mcguire kicked out of play or it got kicked up to field like to half and he was still watching the play and then after like it subsided he finally decided to like sit down mm-hmm. it's like he just dropped and like he wasn't even looking at the play he turned his back on the play yeah i think he was like curled in his own net you can't be doing that, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's obviously tough because, um, you know, you can't really judge injuries, but I agree. I mean, um, you know, the the you get he got stepped on. Maybe he was assuming he was an Arsenal player, so he would have got the benefit of the doubt. But I've seen it where goalies, too, you know, the something like that happens. Their, their eyes are constantly on the ball um, to make sure that nothing like that happens. And then once um, it kind of gets away into safer territory they'll yell at the ref and say like hey like i'm injured i need like a break and then the ref will blow the whistle but yeah to just go down um obviously you don't know the severity of how big it was but it's tough i mean i mean you played the rest of the game so yeah i mean that's, that's what i thing. mean if, yeah if you're that injured that you had to go down in like a really crucial part of the game then you you should be coming off the field yeah. you've been getting carted off mm-hmm. and i i think it's the same situation with like with defenders too like if a defender will go down 
in the box for some reason, like because they think they get fouled. They lay there. The play goes on, and like the ball goes right past them, and then someone scores. Mm-hmm. And then they play the rest of the game. If mm. you're that injured that you can't get up while the play is still going on around you, because I mean, I'm all for fair play, and I I like what they're doing now with the referees, how they're putting the ball out of play for head injuries. Well, they're yeah. calling, they're calling the game like as like as it is. Like if if there's a clash of heads or whatever, the referee deems that it might be a concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. He'll stop the game no matter what the possession is. I believe like if you're if you're the team attacking and some player goes down and it's not at fault of somebody and it's not a real foul, you play on. Mm-hmm. Like you got to play to the whistle. You got to play to the referee stops the game for you. Mm-hmm. Especially on like a, if you have like a clear cut chance on net. Yeah. So when I see like a defender, let's say, go down and the a goal comes from it, then they play the rest of the game. Like if I was the coach, I'd be pulling him off the field at halftime and say like, "You're done." Yeah. Like if you're if you're that hurt, you can't play the rest of the game. If you that hurt, you can't get up. Then I'm taking you off the field. Yeah, because that's just ridiculous. Like you're, you're trying to bait the referee to give you the to give you the decision, when really you should just be playing on the game. Yeah, like it just drives me crazy. And <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. this is obviously like I said, last line of defense. Like literally, the goalkeeper. Like he's laying down on the goal line. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, and I mean, you see a lot where where teams are starting to play more when players go down. Where in the past it was always like you know put the ball out. Some teams still do. Um but you have teams who like rarely get triggered when the other team doesn't put it out when they have a player down. It's it's a ra- it's probably the the biggest gray area we have right now um, because you know injuries are so subjective and it's hard to tell how injured someone actually is. I mean, soccer gets a pretty bad rap with <laughs> injuries that uh, are not as serious and players go down, which is crazy, by the way. Yeah, like it's it's the sport with the least amount of protection for the player and. It's- one of the more aggressive sports out there. Yeah. yeah. Playing with like, especially with them with metal studs. Metal studs on. Exactly. Yeah. Like in your mm-hmm. hockey, yeah, you get smashed in the boards. You're wearing head to toe equipment. Mm-hmm. Football, same thing. Mm-hmm. That's like, those are the only two more aggressive sports in soccer, I would guess. Yeah. But like soccer, you're going studs up to somebody. You, you know, get someone in the ankle and the shin and the knee and the face, whatever. Like you're, you have no coverage, no protection. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, when injuries occur in soccer, it's from, Pulled hamstrings, torn ACLs, like mm-hmm. broken legs, possibly. Yeah. yeah, like they're bad injuries. Right. So if it's not one of those, <laughs> yeah. you should not. Well, hit. If it's not one of those, get off the You field. should. Get you up. should get up if get a shot's coming up. in on your net, probably. And I mean, <laughs> I think it Seriously. gets a bad. It gets a bad rap too because people watch, it, especially if they don't understand, and they'll see. You know, it's kind of like a fifty-fifty tackle. Someone goes in, um, and you see someone kind of like graze someone's like shin with their studs. And they look at someone and they see the slow motion replay of them going to ground, right? And, you know, obviously their eyes are closed, their mouth is open, and it looks like they're screaming. When in real time, it's like you winced, opened up your mouth, and you fell to the ground in yeah. like a matter of one second. Because, like, how many times have we played where, you know, you get that, you know, shin to stud thing and it hurts like heck? Mm-hmm. And you go down, your mouth is open, your eyes are closed, and it looked like you were screaming if you slow it down where it takes 10 seconds. Yeah. So I think it looks more dramatic when players go down in soccer in slow motion because it literally looks like it's 10 seconds of them just screaming their head off when really it's half a second of you you like kind of crying out for a second and then falling to the ground. And like it is crazy how like a stinger like that, like yeah, it hurts for like hell for five, 10 minutes. Yeah. But then like you'd run it off and then you're fine. Yeah. 
You might get home and like you take your shoes off, take your socks off, whatever, and your foot's swollen like a balloon. Mm-hmm. But in the moment in the game, like the pain's gone. Yeah, which is crazy. So like I guess like I said, these guys again, like if you're down for that long and like the play is continuing and it's clearly not going out, get your ass up because like obviously consequences can can occur. Yeah, but like for them, it was in uh, didn't really matter in the end because they got the win, right? True, <laughs> but I mean to go down like in the thirteenth minute, credit again to Smith Rowe. Uh, his fifth goal of the season in the Premier League. I mean, not a hard, I mean, not an easy finish either. Like, no. I mean, he did put it in, like, not the greatest spot, but when your goalkeeper's lay on the floor and you weren't <laughs> going to put it anywhere, it would be hilarious if De Gea, like, saved his ass or something. <laughs> Can you imagine? Be, it just hit him. When yeah. This would be a much different conversation. Oh, but, um, so funny. But no credit to him for scoring that. But yeah, 13th minute, obviously, ton of game left. And Bruno Fernandez scored before halftime, which is probably the ideally best time to score. Yeah. Clearly going into half, Carrick was able to calm the boys down, obviously be back at level playing field. So to come out, Ronaldo just guns blazing, PK, properly rewarded in the 70th minute to take the win. Um, Sign seal delivered for United. Mm-hmm. I do want to mention something about the PK. Because I do agree it should have been, well... I don't know. This is probably say you, another. Say what gray. you feel. <laughs> this is this is probably another gray area because it looks like a PK, but I think Fred knew exactly what he was doing. I like he put his leg. He, back. He's running towards the ball, sees the Arsenal guy like start to go to ground, and he puts his left leg out Under. like beside him. Yeah, and then the Arsenal guy hits his left leg. Like he didn't need to put his leg there, but the guy, yeah. the Arsenal guy, like took out his leg. I know, but like I understand, and yes, and I hate that that he probably that was the case but if you're was it odegaard i think it was yeah or, no business going down why are you going down <laughs> yeah it's like yeah fred probably did that but like just don't go down yeah it, it didn't have to happen it's like such low percentage of you getting contact on the ball and winning that challenge but that, that's... And it's, I, like the likelihood of fred like taking a touch and like getting a decent shot on goal or picking out someone in the box with you're at like the box was pretty full. It's like very mm-hmm. low percentage. It's not like you have to make that challenge. Just don't do it. Don't give yeah. yourself the chance to like get in trouble. Yeah. You know? I mean with, with Odegaard making that challenge, it is an attacking midfielder coming back on defending duties. So clearly somebody who's <laughs> not probably aware of like I know, but being still. in the box on the other opposite end being a defender. I know, but like Been you are before. you are a pro <laughs> yeah. soccer player and like yeah, you are you, you are aware of circumstances. No, I'm not giving <laughs> you know? him like full benefit of the doubt kind of thing. It was a rash challenge and it's something that didn't have to happen. But I'm just thinking like in in many game situations he's probably not in that position. Yeah. Like majority mm-hmm. of the time. So he, might, he may have just been like kind of lost in the field and said, okay, I'm going to try and get this for my team. It's still 2-2. You know, I just came came off scoring and loving the game myself. So I think, you know, maybe he just had emotions going and just did a rash challenge and didn't think about it. Yeah. But I think it's a, I think it's a foul. So for uh, Ronaldo to get, you know, his 800 first goal yeah. on the PK spot, it's kind of fitting because that's how he seems to score a lot of his goals Yeah, <laughs> in, in recent, uh, recent seasons, especially with Juve last year. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, with that game and that win, Arsenal or uh, United, sorry, project themselves back into the the mix for the top four. Yeah. Um, only to be thwarted by West Ham and Tottenham um, from this weekend. We'll get into that a little bit later. But another game that had big implications um, for this week, especially for this weekend, was the the Chelsea West Ham game. Oh yeah. 
Um, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but I mean, I got to talk about my boys when I, even when they do good, when they do bad, and this is a bad one. Um, I think, like I said, tell last us, week, no, I think, like, like I said, it was, I don't know where to start, man. It's like, just it's, the in, I think, inconsistent, yeah. It's the inconsistency, maybe a little bit showing their age. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, at any point when you take the lead, like you can't let up. Mm-hmm. And when Tago Silva scored in the 28th minute, they kind of backed off a little bit and like, they stopped playing like an aggressive style and they started playing more of like the Chelsea possession style. And it kind of allowed West Ham to come back into the game. I think the biggest takeaway from this one was that this was Edward Mendy's worst game for Chelsea. Yeah. Um, he's not totally to blame, I don't think, for the first goal for the penalty. Jorginho kind of sewered him. He's kind of having a couple <laughs> stinker of a games back to back. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, I mean, you whenever, think you could have put it out though? Yes, I do. Yeah. Like, whenever you play back to the keeper, obviously you have to be like aware of your surroundings as well as where you're playing the ball. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't really heavily pressured himself, but when he played it to to Mendy, I think it was Jared Bowen, my guy, <laughs> your boy, was in on it and. I mean, as a, I played keeper before in the past, and it's kind of funny. Like when you play goalie from like, if you go from like an outfield player to playing goalkeeper, you do lose control of like what the hell you're doing sometimes. Yeah, because it's a lot of extra pressure, right? Like, there's like I could, I'm not saying I'm like, good player, but you can like take the ball down from your chest from like a cross and like control it and do all this stuff. When you go into net, all that gets like wiped <laughs> away, and it's like the yeah. ball goes to your feet. And it turns to like instant panic mode. Like I've done terrible before with like my footwork as a goalkeeper. So like, I kind of get where like the pressure comes on. You're like, Oh shit, what do I do? Mendy had the chance to clear it away. Like right away, Mm -hmm. like get it played back to him, kick it away. His second touch that he took should have been also a clearing opportunity. Yeah. Just put it out for a throw. Yeah. Cause Mm -hmm. like he did like his initial touch, he took it away from Bowen and he could just put it out for a throw, even for a corner. I don't care at that point, (laughs) but he tried to take like another touch after that. Yeah. With a man already on like, your side. He's already on your shoulder. Yeah. Like he's trying to be like, well, like a center defensive mid to like shield the ball. Who is Yaya Toure? Like, what are you trying to do right now? Get the ball out. You're a goalkeeper. Again, we just talked about De Gea, your last line of defense. You have to clear the ball out. Like, again, you're in panic mode. Get it away panic mode style. Kick it out for throw in, corner kick, whatever. Tuck him down. Clear cut penalty. Lanzini just buries one top cheese. Like, yep. doesn't give De Gea, it doesn't give uh, Mendy a chance. Sorry. And from that point on, even though Chelsea scored with Mount again just before halftime, I wasn't comfortable with how the game was going at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. like just it just felt shaky. It was one of those games. It's a uh, London derby, East versus West. It's always going to be a big one. And the commentators were saying too, like there's obviously a ton of teams in West Ham, or sorry, a ton of teams in London, but West Ham Chelsea it's like the biggest game for West Ham. Mm-hmm. That's like their City United game. That's like their Liverpool Everton. Chelsea West Ham is like legendary, goes way back in the record books. And if you're a West Ham supporter, beating Chelsea is like number one job to do. Mm-hmm. And the players understand that. They rally behind that. And I mean, they came out and played amazing second half. Yeah. Like Chelsea looks scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They really yeah. brought it to him. Like I maybe Bowen. Maybe Bowen they weren't. Again, yeah. You know, maybe it was like I, like I said, I don't want to like judge their intentions, but maybe it was a case that they do have a lot of young players. Maybe it was a case of you know, oh, we're we're ahead on West Ham, and it's like it's just gonna be another one of those games where they're gonna like roll over because we're ahead. 
Um, so maybe it was just a case of they thought they didn't have to uh, like manage the game after they were ahead. But yeah. with teams like West Ham, that'll like continue to you know grind out against these top teams. You always have to be on guard, and I think that's what Liverpool and City do very well. Um, it's you know, it's knowing how to put away teams. Yeah, and I've talked with Chelsea time and time again. They they just don't have that instinct to to go out and kill. Yeah, and I mean against the top against te- against teams they know that are good. I think they do a bit better because they know they have to like be focused the whole game. But I some against some of these other teams, I think like a West Ham, I think might be their crutch this season. Who's like, oh like yeah you're ahead, but like you know we're just gonna you know, keep grinding at you because we have the confidence to do so. And I think that's what caught him off guard. And like West Ham's no slouch. Like we've yeah. seen it time no. again. Like <laughs> this, and yeah. then the goal, yeah, we'll get into the goal in a minute. But West Ham's not a slouch of a team anymore. Like obviously David Moyes has got these guys playing just out of their minds. Yeah. And yeah, they've like every team's gonna drop points here and there. You can't win every single season. And if you're a team like West Ham, I mean, they only have four losses on the year. I'm not sure what their total was last season, but I'm sure they had four losses a lot sooner than they do now. Right. In relation to the uh, to this season. So I mean, plus ten oh, sorry, plus nine goal differential for them. I've been a huge Mikel Antonio fan for a couple seasons now and like he's finally getting his due. Bowen's finally scoring and contributing, not just like running around like crazy. <laughs> yes. Of all of all games. This yeah, is game I know, and of course yeah, I get punished. I think this is honestly like I think he might listen to the pod. Yeah, I think this, Bowen might listen a little bit. I have, we've got some English, uh, you know, supporters here. I've seen the analytics. Yeah, you just want to be like, all right, I'm gonna save everything for this Chelsea game just to like, uh, these, show Andrea. These, these pricks in Canada keep talking shit about me, so I'm gonna show up and you know, <laughs> ruin this guy's day when playing against Chelsea. Yeah, maybe that was his mindset because he played a hell of a game. He did. He probably could have had more than one goal. Yeah, there was um, that chance he had to like really reach for, and then uh, yeah, a little outstretched chance, but. Yeah. Um and then just you know add insult to injury from Mendy's day, that last goal that was scored by Masuaku, <laughs> I mean that had like uh, that was like that was Demba Ba in the back of my head the yeah. game against Newcastle when he like <laughs> yeah. curled one in on Petrček, that's reminiscent of like this goal too like and I don't think that took a deflection right no it no. didn't it, it was didn't look- same side of the field left side you know he lined it up like he's gonna send a cross in, but he completely caught Mendy off guard hit it short side from a Hell of a distance. I don't think he meant to put this on net. I don't think he went to either. Like he looked up at, like that's a that's a cross. Like yeah, yeah. he definitely he looked he looked into the box like to play it in. (laughs) Yeah, I think he just like went to go cross it, saw defending pressure, and then just like kind of leaned back last minute. (laughs) Just luckily, uh, just ball went towards the net, and Mendy wasn't ready for it. And oh man, this is so hard to watch. I think maybe he. I don't know, man. I mean, only he'll know. We're, if everyone was listening, we're looking at the replays yeah. on stories.dazen.com. Um, I think he does mean to do it. I mean, he played it off cool as a cucumber. Like, when it went in. Like he's like, Well, yeah, you I always do. Obviously. I've done this before. I mean, uh, <laughs> unless it's, like, super obvious. This, like, I don't know. I practice this on the training ground. I think that's on purpose. Well, only he'll know. I mean, um, I haven't really looked to see if uh, anyone's asked him if he actually meant to do it. And if he's like, no, I tried to cross it. It's just, like, I was lucky. Um, but nonetheless, that's what brought Chelsea down from top of the table. Yeah, it was the 87th minute winner. I mean, at that point, clearly there's no way back. We talked about it before, how the good teams always find it really hard to scratch and claw victories. Mm-hmm. And I was actually texting a buddy of mine right on halftime. He asked me if Chelsea's going to win this game. 
And my response was, I don't think they're good enough to win. Yeah. But this is before Mount scored, actually, so it's still 1-1 at this point. As it must have been like five minutes before he scored. I said to him, like, they're not gritty enough to win. Because, like, this game was a gritty game. It was mm-hmm. good. It was a big midfield battle. It was back and forth. Both sides had a lot of chances. I just don't think Chelsea has that grit when there's a team coming at them as ferocious as West Ham was. Because we talked about it before. When good teams play each other, their systems almost complement each other, and it's hard to, like, find the clear-cut, like, yeah. dominant team. Mm-hmm. Like, a City plays Liverpool, you might have, like, 500 passes per side. Possession might be 52-48. You know, chances are, you know, 5-5 five, five on shots on net or something like that because it's very competitive. It's very, like, evenly matched. Mm-hmm. When it's teams like this, West Ham was obviously a really good team. And Chelsea, it's almost the same thing. It's like they're going at each other. There's not really much between them. Chelsea, though, they, they just can't find that gritty way to win and put it away. No one saw the goal coming that Masuaku scored, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. But still, I don't see a goal like that coming from Chelsea. I don't see a scrappy goal coming where they're like just putting balls in the box and like trying to go for the win. They're trying to go for the tie for this game. Mm-hmm. Like after it was all knotted up at twos, they didn't really seem to be the aggressor and like show that killer instinct to try and score. And with Lukaku coming on at halftime, I thought um, this might be like his bit of a breakout game because the last couple of times he's come on as a sub, he's had like 15 or so minutes. Mm-hmm. around that average 15, 12 minutes or so um, to make an impact, he came on at halftime. So he had a full 45-minute run at this game. And, I mean, he didn't really do much at all. Yeah. Like, I mean, service is one thing. If you're not getting, as a striker, if you're not getting service, you're not getting the ball, you can't really do much. Yeah. But he didn't really do anything to, to impress me. Um, His next game, uh, the next game for Chelsea will be... um. Uh, Champions League draw against Zenit, and then they have a game against Leeds, which I hopefully, if he's not back for the Zenit game, maybe he'll come in as a sub for that one. I don't know. But at least the Leeds game, that's a game you got to come out and just dominate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leeds sitting down, 14th place, having like a woeful season compared to what they did last year. You know, pretty negative goal differential. You got to come in there and just try and score. And I, I think this game will be at home, actually, at Stamford Bridge, too. Yeah. So. I mean, if you're Lukaku, if you're Chelsea, if you got to come out and just start putting, you know, I, mean, I don't, even know, like, I don't put, even know, just putting everything you can like, yeah. in the scoring. And, like, we talked about before how they had a good spell of run, like, without Lukaku and, like, they were pumping goals in. But those games were against, you know, lower division or lower-tiered players, lower-tiered mm-hmm. teams. Um, they're coming from, like, a Norwich. They're going against... Uh, you know, Burnley, they're going against Southampton, like games like that. They have to like not try as hard, basically. Or against Wofford too. But or they... against Wofford, <laughs> also midweek, another tough game. Um, they squeaked that one out too, but they're just not dominating like they yeah. like they have been the last few weeks. So I don't know what's happening. Um, only six points in their last five matches out of a possible fifteen. So. Um, we'll see how they go from here. They, like I said, they have uh, Champions League midweek, which is always interesting. They got that. Uh, they had that group sealed up actually. Um, I think they had the top spot clinch because they beat Juve. Yeah, for Champions League. For Champions League, so maybe they'll rest some guys for that game. That game actually might be a good time to play Lukaku. Yeah, just kind of back in the swing of things. Yeah, like not say like, well, we need to get out there and score too because we have to win this game. Yeah, go play. Well, we'll put you on for sixty minutes. We'll take you off. Mm-hmm. We don't have to win this game. We'll we'll rest you up and then you'll play full nine against Leeds maybe. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to uh, with Chelsea coming up. 
Yeah, and honestly, I think if Chelsea do want to win the title, especially with how competitive it is this year with Man City and Liverpool, um, they're going to need to have those games where they just completely dominate. Um, uh, there's been a few times where, where Chelsea's done that, but not um, consistently enough where I think it's uh, title material yet, um, especially with how City and Liverpool are playing. Um, I think it's going to be very tough uh for for Chelsea if they if they have this run of form stay for uh the next few games because again with how City and Liverpool are playing it's just been total domination. So I guess with that said, Liverpool Everton <laughs> Merseyside derby and I th- I forget who said it um where I think the Everton faithful are a little disappointed a little with- with well, especially just with these derbies, I think the last few years, and I forget who said it, but it was like no matter what position Everton was in, no matter where Liverpool was at in the title, the derby, like all it was, you know, it gloves didn't off type thing, it, yeah. gloves off, everything. Um, but just last, it's just not been there at all. Yeah, know? and Liverpool, especially this game, like just completely, <laughs> not even on the same level. It's been very strange, you know. It's yeah. almost like Everton, you know, does worse than they should in these. So, yeah, I don't know. Very very dominating by by Liverpool. Um it's 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 how we've it's what you've alluded to um with a bunch of past episodes where Liverpool's just that team where they're just going to attack you. Um whereas, you know, Man City's a slow build up. Um but with the form Salah's in, it's it's going to be, I think, really tight getting to the end of the season. We'll see what happens through Christmas. Um, I was pegging Man City to to win this year. Obviously, anything can happen. But with right now how the two teams are sitting, Liverpool is showing to be a title contender more than I thought they were going to just with the form that uh, Salah's in recently because he's just pulling stuff out of his hat that um, yeah anyone who called him a, a one season wonder he's, is uh he's replicating what he did the first season he went to chelsea yeah. a little bit uh which you know i think it's it's gonna be close because you know uh, like i said before like not that the more the weeks go by the more it seems like city don't need a number nine because <laughs> you know the uh the false nine is really suiting them especially with like to pivot to the city game. Yeah. Like just even putting Grealish there. Yeah. Just, you know, and just there in the rotation. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's gonna be interesting to see what, uh, what kind of style wins this year, because I think, um, if Guardiola doesn't win, I think he might get a lot of criticism for not having a number nine. Um, Whereas with Liverpool, I think whether they win or lose, I think they're going to get a lot of credit this year with how they've been playing. Because um, it's just been really fluid attack, more so than I think I'm used to seeing from a top team. Um, because they just take it at teams, almost like a newly promoted team that just takes it to sides, right? Yeah, for sure. And the criticism for Man City, like it's hard to pick any apart because... Like even like the flaws that they have, they're not make or break flaws mm-hmm. a lot of time. Because like we said before, they still do have other contributing um, players to score with them. If they didn't have a number nine, but I think my biggest difference that I see 
with Man City and Liverpool is by their attacking style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man City is very composed. Uh, it's very slow build up, and they want to do. I always talk about the tiki taka because that's like what we always heard from like mm-hmm. when Pep was coming from Barcelona, tiki taka, tiki taka, forty five passes and then a goal. I think they still try and implement that. It is a tighter game, I think, in the Premier League, so it is harder to put that many string of passes together. But they still like to take their time. They do a lot of triangles, interlapping, overlapping runs, and kind of backdoor runs all the time, which is obviously like a beautiful st- like playing style don't get me wrong mm-hmm. if you can pull it off like they can because they work on it i'm sure day in day out it's amazing to look at whereas liverpool they're just like a very free-flowing team like it's almost like every play that they it's, whenever, it's almost like whenever goal scoring opportunity that they get it looks like it's a counterattack, mm-hmm. even though they'll be in possession still yeah like it's wild to me like it's almost like and like man city obviously will counterattack as well if the opportunity is there but with Liverpool, it's just they get the ball and it's just right away up the field. Yeah. Like there's not like a slow build up like where like Rodri would have it for for Man City and like pass it out to the wing, mm-hmm. play it back to Stones or whoever. Like Liverpool gets the ball in the middle of the field, feed the wings, feed the flanks, Salah go run, Mane go run, like sorry, Sane go run. And that's how they score. That's how they create. And it's just that's how they're able to put away, you know, 44 goals this season so far. Yeah. You know, nine, that's, that's nine goals tough. ahead. Yeah, nine goals ahead of next in line, Chelsea, for goals four. And only 12 against. So by even doing that, by counterattacking and by, by playing faster and quicker, yes, you have less time possession. But I don't think they matter when they're putting away four goals a game. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm really looking forward to the next Liverpool-Man City game because um, the last one is very, very exciting. Uh, so that's probably going to be a big telltale sign of, uh, what's going to happen this year, but you know, only one point separating the two. So, you know, it's one of those things It might be a topsy turvy thing, especially, um, seeing where Chelsea's going to fall into the mix. Um, I do agree. I think the, the league does need kind of like a three horse race. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, it's been, uh, Man City, Liverpool, um, but April 9th, Man City, Liverpool. It's it might come be... down to the last, like, second last month of the season. Yeah. Like, legit. Well, it could I think it's going to go down to the last day, to be honest. I think so. Well, Have three another, horse race. Uh, Man City, oh, I Man hope so. Situation. Man City, Man U. That would be amazing. Oh. Well, just to have some fun with it, let's see who both teams are playing last game of the season. Just if it all goes perfectly well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Liverpool got Wolves. Uh, yeah, Liverpool at home. That uh, well, they had a tough time. Yeah, that'd be a beautiful against, little uh, against Wolves. Uh, little story, yeah. And City's got Villa. Weekend. Yeah, City's got Villa at home. So I mean, two very gettable games, obviously. Per side, um, a lot's got to play still from now until May twenty second of next season. Um, Champions League, obviously, uh, FA Cup. All those draws still have to get uh, dealt and sorted out with. Uh, Liverpool, I mean, as a Chelsea fan this weekend, I was crossing my fingers hoping that, you know, at least one draw would come from City or Liverpool. <laughs> and seeing how, you know, City was pretty dominant in their performance uh, this weekend, my money's on the Liverpool game. And then I get the update on my phone, 94th minute. How you doing? Divock Rigi scores for Liverpool. Yeah. yeah. Puts him ahead against Watford. 
I was just I was just crushed at that point. I don't even know what the hell I was doing. I was just like <laughs> put the phone back in the pocket, didn't check it again for another five hours. Yeah. That's uh I was watching that against Wolves. Um and you know, it was it was one of those games where I think it's again one of those games you need to win if you want to contend for the title because you just got to like grind it out, right? Yeah. Um, Liverpool did it. Um, you know, in another life they might not have, and City would be uh, further ahead than they are now. But you know, credit to them for sticking it out and getting the win. Um, Divock Origi again. Yeah, <laughs> I've been bailing out who, Liverpool a few times. Who said no? They someone said every goal is valuable, but if someone, I'd it'd be hard to find someone with a better uh valuable goals to goal ratio than t <laughs> seriously major yeah. x factor like, like th- i can think of just four or five games <laughs> just l- last minute crazy but you know good for him and i think it's credit to you know him especially you know being at liverpool for this long not really getting a spot in the starting lineup too too often but just being committed and being like you know you're just gonna be that guy yeah 70 80th 90th minute you're gonna go on and you know, be sharp and get us a game winner. So like a player like that, like wouldn't you think at some point he'd want to go away on like loan somewhere? And, but I do think the culture that Klopp's built, it's similar to Guardiola, how he has people and like a really deep team invested in the project. And he's got, and I think that's what separates really good managers from mediocre managers. Uh, they can, because you need that kind of team to compete in every competition. So he gets the players to buy into being committed to the club no matter what your role is so that in the event that they need to call on someone who has the potential to be a starter even if they can't on a regular basis because they're just marginally worse than who's in the starting 11 um they just you know they mentor them in a way that gets them to stick around which i do think is important i think no one's really better than that with than pep is uh just you look at the team and it's like, you know, how is someone like, you know, Mares, who surprisingly I didn't know this, he has the most goals for, I think, for City in all competitions, even though he doesn't start too, too often, but he just has these guys bought in. It's like, nope. For the season, you're saying? Yeah. And uh, which you need, you know, if you want to win Champions League, you want to win the league, you need, you need 18 or so guys, like A players on your team to be able to compete. So. Yeah, no, I get that. I just think, like, from a personal standpoint, like, if I was a Rigi, you're 26 years old, you've been there for a few seasons. I think he's only had a real crack maybe one or two times, you know, as, like, a pure starter mm-hmm. for Liverpool because they've always changed the formation. Like, when they got um, Sadio Mane and Mo Salah, they kind of changed their attacking style, I think, with, like, playing the two wide and then, like, having basically three at the top mm-hmm. with, like, either Diego Jota or... Uh, Firmino, because I think Origi's more like an like, not box to box. Like he's more of just like a straight up number nine kind yeah. of striker. So obviously with like Klopp getting these world class players, they've had to change formation to be able to use them in best situations possible. So Origi's kind of been like pushed aside basically, and yeah, he comes on as a super sub, and like makes his impact known, which is crazy. Like I mean, as right here from the Athletic, Divock Origi, Liverpool legend like no other. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. Because like he's got such minimal playing time. Yeah. But, like his goals that he scored in his career have been like so crucial. Yeah. Good for, good for him. Um he kind of reminds me of back in the day Manu with uh Hernandez. 
yeah, uh, consistently. He scored a lot, though, actually. Hernandez did score yeah. a lot. I mean, he would always come on consistently. <laughs> 75th minute, always get a goal or two. Um, that was one, you know, man you was running rampant and would lose once and tie twice and then win the rest of their games. It's crazy. Um, Michi Bashwai was like that for Chelsea, too. Yeah, a little He's, bit, yeah. He scored, oh, I forget who they played now, but he scored a winner. Might against Wolves, actually. I don't know. A couple years ago, it was a Tisula deal when Antonio Conte was at the helm. He he barely played, and then he had to come on as I don't I don't know if he's a sub or if he started that game, but he scored like in the 80th minute. Gave Chelsea mm-hmm. the win, and that was like their clincher for the title. Yeah. So I mean, super sub. Sometimes they just come off off the bench out of nowhere and can like make the biggest impact for your team. Yeah, and I think every team needs him if they want to get to the title. Um, but. <laughs> You know, sometimes, uh, he, like Joe was alluding to with City, um, when your whole team's a super sub, essentially. Um, <laughs> Literally, like, interchangeable. Any, <laughs> like, any player, any position. Well, it was, it like, at the, the game uh, against Watford, um, you know, this was probably the most, at least in the first half. Second half, Watford did bring it to City a little bit. So credit to them. But first half was probably the most dominant um half i've seen um in like a really competitive game um where it didn't really just have to do with possession but just with the amount of chances and amount of good chances that city was creating um it was uh, it was really next level and that's saying something uh about city because they just brought it to to wofford i mean 26 shots mm-hmm. ridiculous yeah. 13 on target 78% possession, 830 passes to Watford's 239. Yeah, 91. The, the craziest <laughs> stat probably is a pass accuracy of 91%. So, Of 830 passes. Out of 830 <laughs> passes, you're 91% passing accuracy. Um, it, I think it's more impressive because the possession was so far in Watford's final third. Yeah. And that's what was, because, you know, you could have 95% possession, but, like, the ball spends, you know, 70% of the game around the halfway line. But, and how many City players were in the box, like, so often during the game? Yeah. Crazy. Well, that's, like, the slow build style that I, like, I was alluding to, like, with Pep. Like, they can put 25 passes together just just outside the opponent's box Mm -hmm. until, like, a chance actually occurs. Not my favorite style of play. Chelsea's tried that before in the past. It drives me absolutely bonkers because they don't ha- <laughs> they didn't have the players to do that with. Yeah, mm-hmm. I will give City the credit though because when you do have the players and the when they do have the mindset of this is our playing style and this is how we're going to score, it is great to watch. I find it to be a little bit boring at times, but when you see world class players performing at a world class level, you have to give your credit. And I mean, there's no more there's no world class player more deserving than Brown Silva right now for the way he's been playing. Oh, Pep, yeah. yeah, Pep alluded that he's the best player in the Premier League right now. He also said a couple of years ago he's the best player in the Premier League and he's playing better now than he was two seasons ago in Pep's words. Um this this little guy man, like he's just Yeah. He can be on any point at any spot in the field in any position that you want him to be in, playing any formation, any strategy that you want him to play and he'll give it 110%. Yeah, like you could tell him, hey, you say, Verano, I don't want you past half all all game. I want you to sit back here and kind of play more defensive, and he'll do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want you to flood the box and get in, send crosses, and he'll do it. Like anything you tell him to do, 
he just gives in to the to the team and to what Pep wants. And I mean, like, what a luxury to have for your team. Yeah, yeah. His uh, his performances against Villa and against Watford it uh, really went to show of why he uh, he's. We always talk about how he's low key good. Um, now he's like win. real key. Good. Now he's now, now <laughs> he is uh, he's best player in the Premier League. Good. Yeah. You know, he scored against. Villa. The two goal against Villa was probably one of the nicest ones I've seen. I in still a didn't long see that time. one. Yeah, I gotta yeah. see this goal. Andros not seen Bernardo Silva's goal against Villa, so we're gonna <laughs> look at it right now. Um, but no, same thing. Like you can see, even for everyone watching, we're again stories.dazzin.com. I didn't know this was a thing, but it's very, very convenient. It's just all the highlights. very convenient. Yeah. Uh, same thing, just around the box all the time. There you go, Diaz <laughs> scoring a left-footed banger from outside the box. Who would have thought? There Ooh, you go. Deflection. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing they have players, you know, there's been, I think, uh, 17 different scores for city. Um, it just Where, goes to show you have quality everywhere and you can just, there you go, you know, okay, <laughs> so you get a, you get a break. It's wide open, but yeah, yeah. he's um, wide open, but he also volleys it from outside. That's a nice finish. Yeah. So, um, for everyone listening, just, uh, Jesus gets a pass city going to break and, you know, it's kind of ironic where you talk about counterattacking. Uh, against City when they're probably the best at counterattacking teams. Yeah, they are. They're really good. <laughs> um, so uh, Jesus just you know puts in a cross on this counterattack, and Silva just one time volley, you know, one step inside the eighteen. Um, just him kind of almost alone on goal, just rips it uh, in the top of the net. Um, then just <laughs> then nice, Aston Villa nice still get a goal. Nice goals this game. Like yeah. The game ends like you. The scoreline two one does not do. <laughs> I keep saying it. Yeah, it doesn't City, do justice. City dominates the game, scores banned goals. Everyone plays super well, and they win the game two one. But why is that? <laughs> I when, honestly, when you see when you see a game like like Liverpool, I was looking at their their match results of just recent date, and it's like four goals, four goals, three goals, two goals, four goals. Why isn't City putting that away? If if you're controlling the game as much as City does, and you have, you know, seventy eight percent possession. 800 passes a game, mm-hmm. you know, 13 chances yeah. on net. Why aren't you putting away four goals? I don't know. I think it's just, they're, like I keep saying every week, they're missing that number nine who can score a half chance. Yeah, just you know? get that scrappy I goal. do think, you know, a lot of the players on City need like a very fairly decent chance to score. Aguero could, I don't know if they have a lot of players that can make something out of nothing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So well, they have the players to create for sure. Yeah, but it's just that finishing in the final, yeah. not even final third, but the final six yard box, like a like a Van Nistelrooy. That yeah. guy didn't score any goal from outside the penalty spot area. Yeah, for United when he was in his in his run of form in the early two thousands, a player like that would do well, I think. Just like you said, like a kind of not like a scrappy player to score scrappy goals, but someone who can just clean up in there and just be a yeah. body. They don't have body. They don't have size. They have size and defense. Completely, Ruben yeah. Diaz, you know, obviously Laporte, um, Rodri, like huge bodies, great players, great size and strength. But you look past that and like just look at the, <laughs> the just, average. Average height gets super, super low. Gabriel Jesus might be the strongest player in attack, and that's saying not much. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sterling, Foden, Bernardo Silva, Mares, these guys are more frail than you guys. <laughs> yeah, and like, there's just no size or scariness when like you're looking at City's attack in that form. Yeah, big body, win a big header, push somebody out of the way, move, you know, move just 
with player movement and just how they can create and open up space, they don't have that player. Yeah. Again, we talk about it almost a weekend we get with City. Who that player is going to be, we don't know. Obviously, the Harry Kane saga is one to look at still, one to watch. At this point, do you even want Harry Kane from the way that he's been playing and like his run of or lack of form basically since the beginning of the season? Do you want Kane on your team? I don't know. Like, to even be if honest, you're Tottenham, I'm not sure. Even if you're Tottenham, do you want Kane on your team right now? Because he's starting every game. Yeah, I honestly don't know if he would. The way they're playing now, like, yeah, yeah could, I, I, I'm worried if he does go, it's not going to be what he thinks. Where it's like, oh, you're going to be our number nine, like week in week out. I don't think that's going to be the case. And I'm not sure if that's exactly what he wants. So, because with with the way they're playing now, there could be easily be, you know three games out of the month where Pep's like, no, we're playing a false nine today. Like Kane, like you could play midweek champions league and you know, this weekend, but we're not going to necessarily play with number nine every single week. So I'm not sure if Kane would buy into that. And, you know, it, and there's still question marks, especially in January. Like, do you want to put that in the mix and risk that, you know, you drop some games because it doesn't work out. I don't know. It's very tough to say. Well, if you're Man City and you're Pep and you're looking at a person to bring in that has that, you know, number nine quality, that number nine style, are you looking for a world-class player or are you looking for a player that's, like, good, maybe not as known, maybe not as prolific in, like, the score sheet? Like, like not a Haaland or not a Lewandowski, mm-hmm. not a Kane, obviously, but a player who's maybe, you know... Like a Mikel Antonio, you know, obviously he won't leave West Ham, but a player like that who's not like a world-class top-tier level, but somebody you know who can still do the job. Because if you do bring in a player that is a world-class, and you just made a good point by saying, okay, we're not going to play you today because we're doing false nine. Yeah. I'd be like, why the hell am I here then? Yeah. Like, if you are if you have that backing of a world-class player, you'd want to play all the time. Mm-hmm. And that kind of just goes with what I'm saying with Kane. And Antonio Conte, he's obviously a coach in the past has clashed heads with other players that have like similar egos to him they want to you know be bigger than the club like Diego Costa was a big example I brought up last time with Kane I think Antonio Conte could literally say to you like I'm not playing you because you're playing like shit <laughs> yeah probably. Like, maybe not in those words but at some point you you can't start this guy you can't play him yeah and I know that their their playing style kind of dictates like having a number one up top and then that gives Son the ability to kind of freely roam because if you don't play Kane then Son kind of has to be like you're a striker which you don't really want that to happen but at some point you got to look at that his run of form and how poorly he's playing and be like we can't use you right now yeah because even like the highlights that we watched today I didn't watch the game against Norwich obviously a 3-0 victory against Norwich kind of expected from anybody Um, but goals by Lucas Mora a goal by Davison Sanchez and Son again another game that Harry Kane's not on the score sheet and we watched the highlights of it together and yeah he had chances he had half chances the ones that he did have he maybe could have put at least two away mm-hmm. at least I'd say Kane of old Kane of last season Kane of season before he would have put away three maybe yeah he's almost becoming a liability as like just an, another body on the field that's taking up space because he's not doing anything yeah and he's your and, captain. Yeah, he's supposed to be taking charge. He's the one supposed to be paying. That's supposed to be saying, "Okay, put it on me. Put it on me." He's he's not really contributing at in any point in in the game. 
Yeah. And, you know, obviously I hope that, you know, things do turn around for him. Um, because if he keeps playing like this, he's just going to be finding himself on the bench. Um, but do you think he deserves I, to be on the bench? Yeah. Like legit? Like, well, do you think he did, like, uh, well, I mean, maybe not because I'm not sure who comes in. Yeah, I mean, him. maybe for Tottenham, I think, he, you know, he's still contributing enough where he's getting playing time. I think Conte wants to give him time. Um, but but I he's think had he time. Does, yeah. He's not, he's not a player that's like developing still. He's yeah. not a player that needs time to get in the squad. He's been there. He missed yeah. the first couple of games because there was a quote-unquote injury with him. <laughs> I do the air quotations because we didn't know what was happening with transfers with, with Harry yeah. Kane. He was kind of sitting out saying that he was injured. So I think he missed the first three games of the season or so. But they have Brighton next match. Yeah. Uh, Brighton Brighton away. I'm not playing Harry Kane this game. No. Like, And the thing is, too, it's like obviously we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, like what's happening in training. If he's giving a good attitude in training, if he's, yeah, you know, if he's being energetic and like still being motivated, because like he just doesn't look, he doesn't look like he wants to be there. Yeah, and we talked, we touched on it earlier, uh, in the podcast like a couple episodes ago, how as Kane and as like a captain, yes, you're pissed off because you didn't get your big, your big move, your big money move, but now you're still there, you're still with the club that has brought you to the level and the pedigree that you're at now you have to owe the club now a little bit mm-hmm. yeah you got a sore sore you know face right now you got you know your your head's a little scrambled up because you don't know where you are going to play potentially next year or whatever next summer you're still at the club you still have to perform for the club yeah and it looks like he's just giving a shitty attitude all the time yeah and you know, I mean, credit to Tottenham because, you know, before Conte got there, they were dropping points and Kane was playing bad. Um, now, you know, they're on a, you know, pretty solid win streak. Um, kind of propelled them up to fifth. Uh, so, I mean, in t- inside at the club, everything's going the right direction. Um, whether Kane's part of that uh, future, uh, only time will tell. Um, but they're... They're being pretty competitive with Conte uh, at the moment, and you know they're fighting for that European spot. Um, and it's getting it's getting tighter and tighter with you know West Ham at twenty seven, Tottenham twenty five, Manu twenty four, and Arsenal twenty three. It's uh, it's gonna be tight in there because um, things are happening. You know, obviously the manager changes at Tottenham and Manu have you know worked in the very short time, but uh, it's gonna make for a really exciting uh, Champions League draw. If it stays yeah. like this. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a good fight, too. We have, like, three good fights throughout the table. Yeah. Like, obviously, top top spot is a three-horse race that we've touched on. Uh, Champions League, obviously, way more beneficial to getting into that than Europa. Mm-hmm. And then, as always, the ever-enticing um, relegation <laughs> battle. Relegation battle. So, Don't... before we get into that, I'm just reading up on a couple things. I guess, this is just speculation. Well, I don't think it's actually speculation. I guess City offered... Money and Bernardo Silva for Harry Kane. I didn't know that. And well, I think that that transfer didn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> got it. I did. That. I did not know they offered. I don't Your know Spurs, if that's. It's you on. Gotta the, take that. It's on. Like take over what it is on the. It's actually on two websites. Um. But yeah, if you're Spurs, that's just like a very. And they're saying like, who knows if it's true? But they're saying like they regret not taking that transfer. But if you're Spurs, like you gotta be aware of. 
like your romantic attachment to players. I guess a lot of clubs fall into that so like so and I think they actually did a good job with Bale when he wanted to leave. They, you know, sold him and bought nine players. Granted, they all nine players didn't work out, but maybe they didn't want to make the same mistake, but you got to be aware. And I keep saying it, if a player wants to leave, and I've heard multiple commentators say it, if they want to leave, you have to let them leave. You have because it, they're just depreciating. They're not going to be with the club, and you're just like, well, who's going to want? Who's going to pay 125 million for Harry Kane in the winter? No one. So you just you know. But it did, yeah, it disrupts the flow of the club if like a disgruntled player is still there. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I mean. And just from looking at the last couple lineups that Tom's been putting out, not many teams nowadays have just like a number nine. When you think about it, as well, yeah, like just a pure. Like a three four two one formation. Mm-hmm. It's more like a three four three or four three three with like wingers and players playing out wide. They kind of have uh, Lucas Mora and Son as like drop back a little bit. They obviously do flood the wings like all the time, and they kind of yeah. have free roam because they have those four players in the in the back there with like Tanganga who comes in and out of the squad. Skip's been getting a lot of playing time, and Hoiberg, who's been like just a great player for them, great signing. Yeah, um, last couple of seasons. Yeah, and Regulon they don't get forward that often. Yeah. Like, you never really see them join the play very much. Hoiberg sometimes gets up in there. Yeah. Um, He might have, like, a shot every once in a while, but usually score it. Yeah. But those four guys, they don't get so advanced that they're going to be caught out defensively. So yeah. it's like, it kind of just gives the ability for Luke, uh, for Lucas Mora and Son to just kind of roam freely. Yeah. So even though they're playing more of, like, a drop back, almost kind of like two center attacking midfielder roles, they're just, like, playing false nines in their own. Yeah. And then Kane's just a target. Yeah. So if they were to, you know, sell Harry Kane this this coming January or even next season, how are they going to switch the formation? Because are they going to bring in a number nine again and keep the same way going? Like, Conte will have a whole new squad to play with, basically. Because if you have Lucas and Son still there, which I'm sure they will still remain there, they can now play a formation kind of like City plays, kind of like Liverpool plays, with having like three like interchangeable players basically as forwards. Because mm-hmm. Kane's not interchangeable. Kane's very one-dimensional, but he does a very good job at that one-dimensional thing yeah. when he's cooking. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And maybe that could be something that, you know, City may not want him if they realize, oh, he's one-dimensional. And if he's like, they're like, no, he's not. <laughs> not, no. not doing it. So it's like, well, if he can't do that, you know why? If he can't do the money. one thing he's really good at, then it's like we can't use him. You know, yeah. And um, I, I know I'm, I've been bashing Kane, and like I, it's tough because he's been. I mean, I did a. Uh, it was just for fun, but I did like a list of like decade players for for the Premier, uh, English Premier League, from 2010 to 2009, like a 10 year team of the decade. I had Kane as my striker, because if you look in the past couple of seasons, the last six years, I'd say. He has been clearly like the top striker in the league. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Mo Salah's there, and um, you know, like Eden Hazard years and years ago for Chelsea was there, but Kane and Aguero basically as well were always the constants, and they're putting away thirty goals a year, putting 27, 26, 31. Like Kane's tally of goals in the last six seasons are absolutely crazy. So mm-hmm. when you have that pedigree and when you have that reputation, and then you have a sudden drop this poorly or this drastic. It's hard not to like harp on the player. Yeah. It's hard not to get after him and say, why are you not playing so good anymore? Why are you playing like crap? Like, what is it with this player? Yeah. 
So, I mean, it's difficult of a place that he's in. And, like, we're just a couple schmucks saying this. <laughs> There's people with actual pedigree, just people with actual credentials in the world of football, in England, in the paper. Yeah. Saying the exact same thing that we are that actually have more impact. Yeah. And that actually gets out to him. Yeah. So, like, he's hearing it from everywhere. Yeah. He could be hearing it from his grandmother. Like, Harry, why are you playing so bad? Like, I had... <laughs> I bought all this Tottenham stuff. Why are you playing so bad, <laughs> Harry? Like, I'm going to have to start selling this to pay for my home. Yeah, it's just having a rough <laughs> go. You know what I mean? Like, it's got, obviously, it's it's such a tough spot to be in. But it's just when you, like I said, when you have the pedigree, when you have the performance of the past as good as he is, you have to live up to the expectation or you're going to be, like, crucified right away. Yeah. And it's been going on a run of almost three months now. Yeah, and you know that's why I've always said it's gonna be interesting to see what happens in January. Um, and <laughs> we'll see. I mean, right now it's really hard to tell. Um, he's probably still gonna stay there, but um, we're just gonna have to wait and see what the football gods have for us <laughs> in store in January. The football gods. Yeah. Who are they? Uh. Mostly the Atlantic, <laughs> and uh, what's the other one in the UK? Guardian. I forget. Uh, the I Guardian, think, I, think I think, where so. it just comes out with the headline news, and it's like, oh, came to City for uh, fifty million, and not Bernardo Silva. <laughs> like, can you imagine missing out on that deal if it's actually if true? If you're who? Um, oh, Tottenham. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. But then they have to change how they play. Again. I mean, who knows? It, like like I said, who knows if it's true? Because I know he was linked to Milan, Milan as well, or right. whatever it is. But I know his contracts; he has a contract till twenty twenty five, I believe. Yeah. So I'm not entirely sure, but you know, regardless, even if it is whether it's true or not true, I don't think they would have, for whatever reason, probably sold Kane, even if that was on the table. Which, you know, who knows? But like I said before, you have to you have to look to the future. Especially if you're Tottenham, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Kane wants to leave, it's not like what you're going to make Kane stay, and then he's going to get you 40 goals. You're going to win the title. <laughs> Very tough scenario. Yeah, that uh, is one of the things I don't see happening. Yeah, yeah I, I mean Tottenham with with the um, with the Premier League title, that's not really on their radar. Yeah, so Joe's prediction is officially. Not officially, but almost very likely, just not going to happen. What <laughs> with Tottenham winning the, the I had I, Kane as my I goal scorer of the year. I didn't probably talk about this was, every oh weekend. I said how Joe I said is now Kane, wrong. I said Kane would be the top scorer if he went to City. In he the did summer. say that. I that's what I said. And then I was like, right. "You're crazy. He's going to be top no. scorer anyway." Well, if he went early <laughs> and he like you know he if I was, let's just say he went in January, you know he probably wouldn't have been all like upset and he would have been in form and they would have figured it out and you know he would have been up there but he didn't so that's why they're that's why he's not going to be top scorer i did say Tottenham would be the dark horse with nuno at the helm and that did not happen. no <laughs> that did so not nuno got fired <laughs> that nuno, nuno got fired very very quickly so that was not true poor nuno man hopefully yeah. he gets another gig soon he's a good he's yeah. a good manager i like they him. shouldn't yeah. have like i said they shouldn't have brought him in in the first place i don't think that was the right move um you know, if, especially what Tottenham want to achieve, you brought in someone who's not achieved that. Yeah, so, right. You know, yeah, but it's like, I mean, the Tottenham, the 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 management and the brass at Tottenham, they must have had an idea. Like, we're not going to be title contenders, and like we said, like Nuno was like ninth on their their depth yeah. chart in managers to sign. 
Yeah. Like maybe if they did go out and get into our contact right away, mm-hmm. yeah. that might have maybe made an impact and like how how they're gonna play and how like Kane maybe is playing this season. Yeah, I yeah. mean yeah, it didn't really feel like he fit in there, but um to speak about someone who I think does fit in as a new manager, I mean, I don't know why, but I was getting like a really good vibe with uh Ragnick. Um and you know, Manu looked pretty good. Uh I hope it works out. I mean, I honestly, I could see him there for a long time. Um, they're talking about his four-two-two-two formation. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's very, very interesting. Never <laughs> seen it before. Yeah. Uh, just you know, you're back four, and then you got McTominay, Fred, Bruno Fernandez, Sancho, Ronaldo, Rashford, just in like three blocks of two going up the field. Very interesting playing style. Not sure how the system works. Um, it's gonna be something you're gonna have to look into. What a bold move! Yeah, <laughs> like and you win, you win your first game at the home. You come in you with like this completely different formation that we've never really seen before. I've never seen this one, <laughs> and you just win. Like, I'm like, this guy's like a mad scientist, just creating havoc on the field, and it just turns into positive results. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't even know like what I'm just trying to, to think because you know, yes, that's what it is on paper. I'm just trying to think what the actual formation is when you attack. Like, like when looking, at looking at it, at I it think on. it's like a it's a makeshift uh four 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 two four three three actually. You think four three three? Yeah, yeah, because oh, uh, Bernardo Fernandez, like yeah, most Bernardos or Bruno Fernandez floats into the middle and Sancho stays out wide. I think it's yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, 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 because on uh, Ronaldo was obviously playing through the middle a lot more. Um, kind of, it's you know similar to Tottenham in a way, where you have Cristiano Ronaldo, Rashford, and uh, Sancho kind of up there a little bit, and then Fernandez kind of distributing. Um, but I'm actually intrigued by it a little bit. Yeah, because I don't know how it would work. Just from like reading up on him and like basically learning who he was <laughs> all last week. When he got appointed as United manager, it wouldn't surprise me if they do keep this formation. That's one thing, obviously. But it wouldn't surprise me if in the bulk of the season, once Ragnick finally has like established himself and he's had more time with the club and obviously had more than just one or two training sessions, it really wouldn't surprise me if we look at a top three of Sancho, Rashford, and Greenwood. And Ronaldo might drop out of the squad. You think? I mean, obviously... Yeah. To bring in a player, to bring in a manager like him, the people who are in charge are like the, the the director of football for United. I'm not sure who it is, but the person who appointed Ragnick, they didn't just pick him out of the sky. They looked at like his credentials and what he's done over the last decade or so with teams like Leipzig and what he just did in Lokomotiv Moscow in Russia, and how he's kind of like taken control of the club and like been able to develop it in more ways than one of just on the pitch, but also like as a brand and like as as like a developing squad. They don't give him like they're not gonna look at him and say, We're not gonna allow you to make all the decisions you want. Mm-hmm. Like they're probably gonna give him free reign. Yeah. Because like that'd be one thing that I would be saying if I was Ragnick, I'd be like, okay, I'll come to your squad. Clearly you guys are in shambles. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on here from like head to toe. Yeah. He had to probably make that known like right away during like the hiring process. And one of the things I would have said if I was him was, I get control of the team. Like, it's going to be my team. I get to pick my players. If I'm not going to start Ronaldo, I don't want to hear shit from you guys. <laughs> I know you guys just signed him. I know he's. I know who he is. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he's going to play. It's not like he's never going to play. But it just wouldn't surprise me if 
just with this way that Ragnick likes to play with, like very quick, very young players, very aggressive, very, like I said, the gig and pressing style of a lot of um, high pressure. I don't see Ronaldo at 36 years old running up and down the pitch doing high pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe like with this with this four two 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 formation, he might be able to kind of stay more central and more attacking, and not have to put that pressure in. Maybe that's the way that this formation kind of shakes up. I don't know. It's it's very weird to look at. You know what it is? <laughs> Sorry, you know what this? I think this is a four two three one actually. Yeah, I'll just say central. Or yeah, it's like central. Yeah, yeah. kind of like just like yeah. rotates a little bit. Yeah. Like the Rashford. Would I like think that's. Here I think that's what it actually is. <laughs> Probably because <laughs> it's like, yeah. like if, if if when the game starts at the beginning of the game, like at the opening kickoff, if they do like an aerial shot of the pitch, yeah, that's how they're lining up. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> is, that, is that how it looked? In a perfect line. <laughs> actually. It's actually Rashford, Sancho, Fred all in a direct line. Is that the outside. pie symbol? Huh? Is yes. That, it, <laughs> it is actually, it is the pie symbol. Like a little man on top? Yeah. Okay, everyone, if you <laughs> follow us on Instagram, Andrew's gonna <laughs> Yeah, I'll put this on put there. a screenshot of this and say this is the pie symbol. It's literally the pie symbol. I'll draw it up. It's a pie yeah. symbol with the hay has like a little man up top. There That's how Randick wants to play his style apparently. But no, I mean, like once the game gets free flowing and like you get in your yeah. position and into the game, you obviously move around the pitch and can establish yourself in a different way. But I just personally think that Ronaldo might start getting more fatigued as the season goes on because he's been playing a hell of a lot. Mm. Yeah, he didn't start the Chelsea game, but I think he came on as a substitute. He did, yeah. And then there's another game that took place, I believe, that he didn't start on. Yeah. Might have been Champions League game. I can't remember, to be honest. But I think that's going to happen more often than not. And Greenwood at the beginning of the season was playing really well for United. Yeah, yeah like he was one of the only guys that was contributing goal scoring wise, mm-hmm. while they were still kind of trying to figure themselves out. So I think he's going to get back into the side again. I'm happy that Sancho is finally playing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's good to see him just getting the start. And I hope, hopefully, um, Vander Beek. Uh, that, so that's my next. So that's my next point. So <laughs> when I started saying how I think as like the meat and bones of the season finally get going, I wouldn't surprise me if Ronaldo is more playing like a bench role coming on as a sub obviously yes he will start games but i'm saying more as a substitute i think fred is going to get out of the squad and van de is going to get his crack at there yeah i do and van that's what i was, was going to say it's um very young team by the way yeah very young very young like that core like that middle core very young ragnar's yeah. going to look at the squad and be like i need two center midfielders like yesterday like i know yeah. van der beek <laughs> Yeah, he can slide in. He is attack-minded, though, so I'm not sure. And especially the way he wants to press. If he wants to press with those uh, front four, he's get, you need two players like Fernandinho to be your, you know, holding. And, like, just watching the game, like, Fred and McTominay gave the ball away so much at the start of the game. Yeah. You know, cr- like, so much. Every other, almost, I think Fred's first, you know, I don't know how many passes went right to the other team. And it's like if you're going to press and they're going to cough up the ball, you need those back midfielders to make a pass to your teammate after the high press. Otherwise, you've got a high press and it's just not going to work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, no disrespect to Fred or McTominay, but um, it's always been a little tough for me to see how they're your two center mids at Manchester United. Yeah. yeah. Very, don't really very tough. Seem that caliber. You, and it's, it's, a little ironic because you have Carrick and Fletcher <laughs> as the both coach, both on the coach. bench, and that's where both of them Good are playing, point. right? I mean, you know, those are big shoes to fill. You had Carrick, Fletcher, Skulls, 
gigs. You had like the best, literally the biggest legends. legends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have you know two very young guys playing at the center of of your team, and that's you know if there is a most important position, those are the those are them. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't see Fred. I don't know what his contract is like, but I don't see Fred staying as one of the core pieces. He's mm-hmm. 28 years old now. And it's just funny too, because it's like we talked about Fred in the previous game against Arsenal having like a stink of a first half. Mm-hmm. Or is it this game that he had a bad first half? Well, both. Um, both. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. he's definitely a second he's, half. He's really, he was really struggling um, in both games. Yeah. I just, I don't see him as being like a top echelon player. And then, of course, he comes out and scores the winner for this game. For I know, ironically enough. Ironically. Um, but I, I don't know. I just think you have the youth in your team. You have to use them at some point. And like yeah. I said, I'm finally happy that Sancho's getting a crack. Uh, it's it's it basically happened as soon as uh, Solskjaer left. Carrick's like, okay, he's gone. Let's play Sancho. Let's get him his minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would surprise me if the same thing happened with Vanderbeek. If they didn't appoint Ragnick, I think... Gary would be getting Vanderbeek more into the side as well, uh, giving him more minutes. So even like with the uh, with the injury to to Luke Shaw, having Diego Dallo and and Alex Tella is obviously two are like on the wings, are the conventional wingers for United. Mm-hmm. Like Juan Basaka and Luke Shaw subbed in instead of Dallo and, and Tella is a much more sexier lineup, I think. Mm-hmm. Just I think you know, even United fans would say that like, where's Luke Shaw? Where's Juan Basaka? We want these guys back. That back four is something that I think still needs work. Yeah, because I don't think Lindelof can carry um, carry a team along with McGuire. I think McGuire's had a bit of an up and down season as well. He's made some pretty yeah big bonehead mistakes, um, but he's also made up for it at other times too. So he's kind of been like inconsistent, but you know you obviously pick apart the bad more than the good. Mm-hmm. And so I think if they can sure up that defensive. Um, side of the field because that's basically been United's weakness right yeah like you look back in, in in their goal differential like we kind of touched on earlier United getting 24 goals against and only scoring 25 that's not United no we're used to them being at least you know like a 30 and like a 10 or something in that kind of range more along with like the Chelsea's and Liverpool's and the cities. 25 goals for allows them to be in the top 5 for goal scoring but those 24 against put them in the bottom five Yeah, for goals very, against. Very tough. You can't win that way. You can't succeed that way. Mm-hmm. And a majority of the goals that get scored against them are easily goals that could have been prevented if just for some like simple plays or like simple positioning or, you know, just not careless defending. Yeah. I think Rannick will bring that to the club. I think he will sure of that defensive um, four. Again, sure up that midfield. Again, this four two 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 is wild to look at. I, I can't, <laughs> I can't take my eyes off it. Um, it's funky, but I mean, like I said, he he comes in with this with this pedigree and he comes in with this this attitude. Like, okay, this is my club now. Like, I'm gonna do whatever the hell I want with it. I mean, if, if he would have shown Sir Alex Ferguson like the lineup before <laughs> this match, he would have been like, get the hell back to Germany. Like, what are you doing? Like, this isn't how we play here in England. This is not my United. But you know, a lot's changed in in twenty five, thirty years. So, yeah. I mean, let's it's gonna be a fun one to unpack and fun one to 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 you know keep an eye on going forward for sure. I mean, I'm not 
guess since we started doing the podcast, I've watched more United games than I ever really have. And with Ragnik showing up there, I'm going to have a different reason to watch now, I think. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. before, it was kind of like, let's watch United be shit. And like, <laughs> yeah. I get to talk about it later. It's going to be kind of fun. Yeah. But now, hopefully, Ragnik can put them in the proper direction. And, uh, yeah, keep them competitive because it's always fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this four two two two. Um, it was it was even funner hearing uh, people talk about it because obviously we've never heard it before. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to how uh, it all unfolds. Because um, seeing a, a proper uh, a run for Champions League is you know it always makes it more exciting. Mm-hmm. Do you think Man U is going to make top four now with? <laughs> That win over Arsenal that shook things up. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's obviously so tight there. Um, going West Ham, I it's tough, you know, because with with all the changes at Man U, even at Tottenham, um, I think it's gonna we're gonna have a better indication when you know Christmas is over. Um, really see how things shake up because you know Ragnick could try this four two 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 and it just like really tanks hard. Um, might not because you know it's, it's been it's been his dream to always uh, coach in the EPL. I don't think he would do that with a formation that he wouldn't think works. And there's a lot of managers that look up to him as a mentor um, in how he manages the game. So right now, I feel like I am actually leaning more towards Man U. To be totally honest, with all the changes I think Ragnar's going to bring. Do you think they make a splash in January? No. Of, no. of notice, like of significance? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I think he's just going to manage the team he has because um, they have a lot of talent. Like, yeah, they you do. don't need to make a splash. You don't need anyone else. You just need to manage the team. Well, you do need to. Some well, sort of splash. Yeah, maybe maybe in a few spots. You just need to like not it won't but, I don't know if it'll be super expensive, but you gotta bring in like I don't even know who, but someone solid. I think honestly with, with who they have, you know, you have Matic, um may, maybe not the caliber you need at Manchester United, but um I think he would slot in better there than Fred or McTominay, to be totally honest. He was looking pretty sketchy the last time I watched him play. Yeah, but like he was giving mm. the ball up a lot. I think it was, was it the Chelsea game he played. Um, just... I think it was Chelsea game. But yeah, I mean he he was looking a little shaky. But I mean Matic in form could be really dangerous for your team. I mean you've seen the kind of goals he can score out of nowhere. Yeah, I know he can put a banger in there like completely out of the blue, which is hilarious. Um, but he's not there to do that, right? That's true. He's there to sure sure up your defense and. And it's kind of like that last line of defense before you get to the defenders. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think they have the players they need right now to to get into Champions League. They just have to change of how uh, how they've been playing. It's almost like with United, yes, you have the players, you have the raw talent. It's getting back to basics and fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, it sounds like pretty offensive to say that. Yeah, it was the Chelsea game, sorry, with uh with Matic. I wanted to double check that. Um it, it's getting back to just playing smart and not having to risk too much. Like when I was talking about it last time, um I, it was actually the Chelsea game and how when they came out against Chelsea, they didn't say, Okay, we're gonna be this United today or we're gonna be that United today and like we're gonna be really high pressing, we're gonna be really attacking, or we're gonna be like really defensive. 
they came out and just kind of played a neutral game. Mm-hmm. And same against uh, Villarreal also in the Champions League um, just last week. They came out and just said, we're going to be very balanced on both ends of the pitch. When we defend, when we attack, we're not going to risk too much. We're not going to counter. We're not going to overlap our def- our defenders too much. And obviously not having Luke Shaw and Wambasaka kind of hinders you a little bit from like that overlapping um, run that they can make. But at the same time, it also allows you to be more like structured because you're not trying to do too much. And maybe Ragnar can bring that to the side too. Just say, yeah. hey, we're going to kind of dumb this down and just not try and be somebody we're not. Because they obviously do have the players, but they haven't had the coaching the last couple of seasons in Solskjaer to like push them forward to like a, like a new level of play. Because mm-hmm. under Solskjaer, they had no identity. We didn't know what they were. Yeah. Under um, under Klopp at Liverpool, you know how they're going to come out and play every single game. With Pep, you know how they're going to possess the game and come out like that. Chelsea, they're kind of getting that with Tuchel as well. United, they never had that with Solskjaer. They went, they played, they lost, they won. We didn't know what the hell was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So maybe with Ragnarok, they can just say, all right, we're going to dumb it down, play it very slow, very, I don't even know, very balanced way of playing, I guess. And maybe that's all they kind of need in their side. Yeah. Just like some composure. Because like they've been, you know, when they try and do too much, they get flustered. And I think they try and overwork the ball. They Like, you know, Bruno Fernandez might try and do too much in the middle of the field. Uh, McTominay might go in for a challenge too hard and get a red card because he has to make up for turning mm-hmm. the ball over. I don't know. Harry Maguire obviously the game against um, who did they get the red card against the uh, Wofford game. Yeah, like just made a stupid mistake. Two yellows, boom, red card. Like yeah, it's just careless things that they were doing that aren't United way of playing. Right, and that's kind of how they're getting caught up, and that's how they're getting their losses. So if yeah. they can just stop doing like stupid things basically and just get down to playing regular football that I think they'll actually perform pretty well with Ragnick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I do like how balanced they looked uh, in the last few games. Um, so we'll see if that carries on. Uh, I really want to see how he utilizes all the players that haven't been playing and mm-hmm. uh, maybe see a new Man United out there. Cause you know, you still got, you got players like Pogba. I know that's I was just looking up uh he's you know coming back from injury. I do I don't know if he would like that role. I know I think he can play it, but I'm not sure that's ideally where he'd want to be as like the anchor right above the the D there. So yeah. but that's the spot that they need the most. I know. That's <laughs> to get so, shirt up. And that's what we'll see what Ragnarok does, you know. But, you know, he, he could easily be like no, I don't want to play there and then leave for free in January. So Oh. Yeah, he be Man City's number nine. Pogba? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, imagine. Yeah, I've seen crazier things. United had Fellaini there for a while too. Have, oh, Fellaini. <laughs> they had Fellaini as number nine. Yeah, I remember he that. was like Everton's defensive midfielder. Yeah, I know. So and, funny. And then you know, David Moyes goes there and goes, Fellaini, come with me. You're gonna be our striker. What? I've never had a striker yeah. in my life. Yeah, but he just scored. He scored goals at Everton. Yeah, yeah. That last season before he went to United with Moyes, I was like. He was going bangers. Like, I don't know where. I don't know if he was playing as a striker, but he got up the pitch and, like, he was scoring goals. Yeah. It's kind of hilarious. I'm still never, I know I mentioned this last week, but <laughs> it seems more and more likely. It's like if if David Moy didn't man, manage Man United, he would manage. He'd be there right now, He'd probably. Be there right now, for sure. <laughs> but it mean, didn't work out. But even if, if he did get appointed, I do even still think they would be like, you know, this not 
who we need right now. We need, you know, we need a Massimilio Allegri or somebody. I mean, he's not doing very well at Italy. I know, at Juve, so I don't even someone who's him. won titles before. You know, that's what it is. I mean, Ragnick's not that guy. He hasn't won titles before. I know, but he has. But he has. The, I think that's has, why they brought him in for six months. Um, because he has a system that he can. I kind of hope know. he stays. Like, what if? Like, okay, so yeah, he's on the six month contract as a manager with the two year extension in like a consulting role, whatever mm-hmm. the hell that means. What if he's like really, really good? Like, like he might as well just probably stay. No. Yeah, I mean, it would save the club money because they won't yeah. have to go out and hire a new manager. They would save time and not having to look for a new manager. Because whoever they bring in, like we say, like he has to have like some pedigree to it. Mm-hmm. It can't just be some schmuck. It can't just be some guy that they're going to toss hundred grand at and say, "Okay, come coach United." Yeah. It's going to be a big name. I mean, I'm sure if he does like, like price tag if it. if it gets to a scenario where he gets them into Champions League pretty comfortably, and they do see him competing for the title next year, I'm, maybe they would. I would assume so. Um, if they're trending upward, yeah. If there's a very obviously. Uh, if they can, if they can cement like, oh, we're very, very much so the fourth best team in the EPL right now. I think they could offer him something to see what he does in the summer, uh, to see if he can start competing for the title next season. So that's that's how I think it would play out. Yeah, I'm rooting, I'm rooting for him. Yeah, okay, totally I mean, yeah. I, like I said, I, I I didn't really know who he was. Until I looked him up last week and like did a big deep dive, and just from, like reading about him, I became like an instant fan. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty cool. Like, I wish he, I wish he like hang hang around a little bit. And like, obviously, he has a high uh, profile name when it comes to, like the Bundesliga and like that whole uh, country in Germany and like just who he is. And like you said, he's influenced Klopp and Tuchel like huge. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if you're the guy who influenced, you know, Jurgen Klopp and Thomas Tuchel, like you always, you must have something going in. Yeah, going in your direction. So, for him to get a crack in the EPL, um, it's good for us. It's nice for us to finally see like him performing here, uh, like on the biggest stage in the world. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously United's gonna be one to look at. They got Champions League this week. I think uh, out of out of the four teams um, in the EPL that are playing Champions League this week, three of them are already sealed as the top spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so the games that they're gonna play. City, Chelsea, sorry, City, Liverpool, and United all have the top seed um, locked up. They can rest players. doesn't really matter at all. Uh, they'll play the second-best team out of whatever group comes next. Um, as far as Chelsea, they're tied with Juve with 12 points apiece. Uh, Chelsea's playing Zenit um, midweek. So clearly that game is one that Chelsea's going to want to win um, just to get you know the best odds at getting whoever would finish second in group A, B, or C, or D, whatever it is. And then, as far as EPL comes in the schedule, the following weekend, Chelsea with Leeds. Uh, like we said before, maybe that's like a bounce-back game for Chelsea. Obviously, it has to be a bounce-back game for them. Uh, kind of works out nicely in the schedule that they're playing a, you know, a bottom 15 side. Mm-hmm. Leeds, though, no one is slow chat. I mean, we no. talk about them all the time, how like they don't get blown out when they play. If they might lose. They have a pretty negative record right now. Like It's not too sexy to look at. 3-7-5 uh, and five record. But they don't play like a three, seven, and five record team. No, like they have seven draws for a reason. Yeah, it's very tough to play against. Yeah, they play you hard. Yeah, yeah. If it was at home, I'd be worried. Uh, I do think Chelsea sh- like they should win this game. 
Um, yeah, especially being at home. <laughs> but you never know. It's the excitement of the EPL. Yeah, it's 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 the excitement. It's the nerves too. It scares the hell out of me. Um, Liverpool, Aston Villa. That's a Stephen G. Uh, Stephen Gerrard <laughs> Memorial game. Oh yeah, I'll call it That's that. Awesome. The Derby game. I mean, low key too. We haven't really touched on it very much with with Gerrard and Aston Villa, but well done. Um, mm-hmm. Where are they at here? I think he's since he's been there, he's three three and one. You know, yeah, three wins, one one loss. Um, he's lost got them playing city. pretty well. Yeah, he's lost to City too. So it's like if you're gonna lose to somebody, yeah, two uh, one two, it's like gonna not. be a City. I mean, when he got appointed, they were on a five game losing streak with Dean Smith at the helm. So anything getting one <laughs> win is a is yeah. a positive uh, is a move in the positive direction. So to come back and get three wins uh, for Salik Villa puts them you know right in the top ten. Uh, it's crazy for them. Yeah, you know they were hovering down the thirteenth point spot before Jared got there, which would have been seventeenth if he wouldn't have had any wins um, since he'd been appointed. So to claw his way out of the relegation battle into a top ten position, I mean, good for Jared. Yeah, know? very tough. I mean, play from player to manager is always tough. So you know, I hope it works out. And that's the thing, though you're you're just a few wins away from getting out of that uh, in Newcastle's case relegation battle. So. Hell yeah! Um, let's see if they can stay up. They can eat up. I mean, they're they're tied time. down, so they're on with uh, Burnley and Norwich. I do, you know, I get the feeling if they can continue this. Um, yeah, three draws, one one win. You know, with uh, who they got now as manager, Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe. Yeah. Should he should get them out? <laughs> I mean, Everton. Like what the? I know what a slide. What is happening? Calvert-Lewin has been playing. Calvert-Lewin's been out for months with Everton. Yeah, it's still your Everton. I know. And like Rafa Benitez. What's going on with him? Because they, if Everton gets relegated, that's really not good. Fun fact, our our YouTube Wizards uh, Everton fan. Oh, the Wizards. Shout out Everton. He messaged me. He said he didn't have high hopes when they played Liverpool. Um, So so shout out to, to our YouTube Wizard. Good yeah. luck against Everton. <laughs> Seriously, good luck, man. And all the power to you. Uh, I mean, my you know, fun fact to you, like my mom's family is from Liverpool. Like my mom's like distant, distant family, my grandmother and everything. I don't know that far in the family, like who they support. I kind of hope it's Everton. Yeah. As opposed <laughs> to Liverpool. I have no idea. Hardworking family. Yeah, I don't know who they're going to support. I mean, Liverpool is a pretty gritty area mm-hmm. in the UK. So anybody that comes out of there has got to be a hardworking person. But I mean, Everton, it's just like a little, it's just being like the little brother, you know, yeah. to, to Liverpool. It kind of, it means more when you win. Like, and it's obviously you're not expected to win. And it's been like that way for 10, 15, 20 seasons. But when you do get that one, like that one makes up for everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So I kind of hope that they'd be Everton fans and same, same here. I'd be Ever- Everton fan as well, but, um, my my blood bleeds blue for another another <laughs> club in England. Club. Um and uh so that's uh yes so Liverpool has the, the villa game on Saturday, December eleventh. Um Arsenal, Southampton. Uh it's another one. Arteta probably looking to bounce back, obviously. Um the game, oh they have a game tomorrow actually against Everton, so we'll see how that result uh pans out. Um it's going to be a big one for both sides, I guess, right? Like yeah. Arsenal trying to kind of come back from the game against United. Everton, obviously, with the beat down against Liverpool. Um, they really need one. 
uh, to get out of that relegation area. I mean, they're not in the battle yet. They're still f- uh, five points up, but it's never it's never a good spot to be at when you're scrolling down the page pretty far yeah. to find the team that you're looking for. Yep. So hopefully, um, I mean, that should, that should be a pretty good game, actually, I, I would think. Yeah. I mean, they're both be... kind of similar sides, I think, in a little bit. Like, Arsenal's a little bit more polished. Mm-hmm. But Everton's brought in some decent players, and they're just not clicking. That's why I'm very—they have all the makings of a team that yeah. should be. Rafa Benitez as manager. You brought in some, like, Townsend, great. You have decent players mm-hmm. in your side. So I'm not sure what's going on there. I think they have been ravaged a little bit by injury this season. Yeah. Like I said, like Calvert Lewin was like a breakout player for them last year. Like he was getting, he got called up to the England national uh, national squad mm-hmm. for the Euros. He didn't really play, I don't believe. But just for him to get that call up was pretty huge because that was completely based on merit. Mm-hmm. Like if like look at the strikers that England would have brought up, and for Calvert Lewin to be involved in that, I mean, that's pretty mm-hmm. pretty huge for him. But he's been yeah he's been out for a few months, I believe. Um, so Everton's been missing like that pure number nine uh, attacking threat. But, I mean, against an Arsenal, who another team that gives up a ton of goals, I mean, they can come from anywhere, right? Yeah. If not for if not for Ramsdale and Nett. <laughs> we'll see if he can floor it off, like, yeah. you know, another 15 chances maybe. Yeah, going to have to get a lot of chances to score against him. Um, United and Norwich also on Saturday. I mean, it's Norwich, come on. Yeah, should be an easy one. Should be a pretty easy one. And then um, uh, City and Wolves. I mean, it's another top 10 one, but I think City handily will probably snatch that victory up as well. Yeah. And then we move over to the Sunday matches. Big one from there, uh, Tottenham Brighton. Um, see if Antonio Conte can keep this uh, the Spurs train rolling, despite the fact that Harry Kane's not really doing his part to help the team. Um and then West Ham Burnley. I mean, just anything that West Ham now plays, I got to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Like they're just they're just being sneaky. They're just, they're winning the games they should. Well, I mean, besides those last two, but they should. They're winning big games, and that's what you got to do. I mean, they they would have thought, you know, Chelsea. I think that that was a huge boost for them. Oh yeah, in a lot a lot of ways. I mean, I know it's still early in the season, but. You know, you get that game out of the way, it gives you a lot of confidence moving forward. Yeah, that's like their biggest, like most high-profile win. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think of the season. I'm not totally sure about their their track record there, but um, I believe that's like that's got like their highest-profile win. Yeah. Uh, so good on them. I mean, I, again, I gotta give credit where it's due. They played hard. They fought hard, Chelsea. It's not like they, I mean, they did kind of steal the win at the end just from that goal. <laughs> but they're the way that they played against Chelsea. They did deserve. If not a draw, I mean, yeah, they deserve something. I think they deserve the win more than Chelsea did, to be honest. Uh, I wish it would have swung in the other direction, but you know, my opinion doesn't really matter <laughs> <laughs> of what I want. No, they deserve something for sure. Yeah. Um, we good, boys? Oh, we're good. All good. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, always, you can catch us on YouTube. Search us um, at Footy Fans Podcast. Um, always like and subscribe. It really helps the channel out. Give us that little like button. Click, click. Uh, you can find us on um, Apple uh, Podcasts or Spotify at Footy Fans as well. And always on Twitter and at Instagram. Twitter handle is at Footy, oh my God, at footy underscore fans. No, Footy. I always forget the Instagram one or the Twitter one, I mean. Footy underscore fans, I believe. Yeah. 
I think that's what it is on Twitter. <laughs> Don't yeah. find it. Just find put it. in footy with an F on Twitter. And you'll put it with an F it. on Twitter. You'll find and it. And fans with a PH. P-H-A-N-S. <laughs> and then, yeah, uh, Joe alluded to our Instagram account earlier. It's Footy Fans Podcast on Instagram as well. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening. And we will talk next week after all of Luke's action. See you, everyone. Bye. Ciao.